Yeah, hello and welcome to a new episode for, of Wiki Java. My name is Sebastian Wallroth. I'm from uh, Germany in Berlin. We are in Berlin, my guests and me, in, in a nice building in the city center at the Askanische Platz, where the Wikidatacon took, uh, takes place or took place yesterday and today. And I met with my guest and I'm asking my guest, please introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Felix Nati, and I'm from Ghana, but um, I'm here attending the Wikidatacon. Say something about Ghana. I know nearly nothing about Ghana. Excuse, <laughs> sorry for that. But Yeah, so Ghana is in Africa, West Africa precisely, mm -hmm. and it's um, one of the icons of Africa. Um, it's normally known as the gateway um, to West Africa, mm -hmm. and also known as the Star of Africa. So Ghana is <clears throat> um, a leading producer in cocoa, and mm -hmm. one of our greatest resources is gold. So we're a major exporter of gold, mm -hmm. and we have so many other resources. Yeah. So you have a lot of resources. So, so Ghana is a rich country? Not, not really. Um, <laughs> we're supposed to be rich, but mm -hmm. um, it's management and a few other things, um, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Uh, what's, uh, what is like hindering our progress. However, I mean, I think the youth is standing up for things that matter and the youth is picking up the slacks where, um, our leaders have left off and we're trying our best to change the narrative and change what is currently exists. Mm. Ghana has a long history, a longer long than the colonization. Yes, I think we were among the first countries to attain independence and Kwame Nkrumah, first president, played a major role in the entire Africa. He, he made a remarkable speech, which, um, I think I can quote here. He said, um, our liberation is meaningless mm -hmm. until, um, it's connected with the, with all the states or with all the countries in Africa. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the critical things that, um, he, he worked on by championing the AU and working with other African countries, helping other African countries to gain liberation. Mm -hmm. And yeah, pretty much. We have a history with, um, a lot, a lot that has been done over, over the years on different parts of the continent. Yeah. Is Ghana a single nation or are there different nations in Ghana? So Ghana is a single nation, yeah. but we have 10 regions and these, uh -huh. these 10 regions are made up of like different tribes, tribes that exist okay. in, in the country. So, um, it's made up of, um, the Great Accra, the Northing, the Ashanti, Easting. And these are all like various, various groups or tribes that settled in our countries and formed those regions. But, um, the capital of Ghana, it's in the Great Accra region and it's called Accra. Mm -hmm. And uh, do these tribes have their own languages? Yes. So. I, I wouldn't um, dare give it a try because I'm not sure about the number of languages we have in our country, but we have quite a lot. And yeah. yeah. But the basic ones that everybody knows is the Ga, Chi, and the Ewe. And is English a language too? Is English is an official language. And uh, English is the official language. Yes. And you have additional three languages that are official languages too. They, they aren't actually official, but these are like basic languages that you would hear when you get into Ghana. But... Oh. Um, Mostly, um, it's English. We communicate in English. So even on the street, you, you speak English? <laughs> that, that's the funny thing, though. It's a national language, but mm. most people speak the local dialects. The, la the language that I think supersedes or thrives in every um, part of the country is Chi. Uh, so if you were born in, in Ghana, you know at least two languages? Most likely, yeah. Or more? More actually, because or less. Uh, do people only uh, speak their lonely uh, local? So you most language? likely know the national language, which is English, mm -hmm. and your own language, which mm -hmm. is like the local dialect, and then one other one, which is Chi, which sort of like transcends all the tribes in the country. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's good because <laughs> even in Germany, most I guess most people speak only German. Yeah, but and do you have other sub languages? We have my uh, minorities. The Serbians, wow. the upper Serbians and lower Serbians. And then we have, I would say, dialects. They are relatives of the German language, like Alemannisch, um, Boyarisch, and uh, lower Saxon languages. It's like you listen to them and you, you think you understand something. <laughs> yeah. It's not, not um, that hard uh, diversity. And people know... All know German from television and radio. 
so they can talk to each other. And the, the special thing in Germany is that we have uh, several countries, Austria, Switzerland, and even Denmark and Netherlands, yeah. where people know German language. Yeah. There's a hard cut to to the east. The the Polish, uh, they call us the Niemcy, what means the people that cannot speak. Because all they understood every other tribe around, but not the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, a very basically different languages. And I'm trying to learn Polish, and it's pretty hard. <laughs> so let's get, get back to Ghana. Um, um, you are Wikipedian, so there's internet in Ghana. How is the internet in Ghana? So internet in Ghana is something good to write about because um, comparing that to a few other countries that have been on the continent, um, internet in Ghana is quite good. Mm -hmm. And if you check the stats, I think the penetration rate of internet in Ghana is quite high. Um, on a daily basis, like on a monthly basis, um, we get close to 4% penetration. People are constantly buying phones and connecting to the internet. Um, however, for me, the question is what they're using the internet for, not the penetration and the accessibility. Uh, one other key thing that affects internet and affects the use of internet might be um, the cost of internet, actually. Mm -hmm. Is it expensive? Well, it might not be expensive to the upper NS or the middle incomers, but... Mm -hmm. um, Probably to the low income people and just people getting close to the middle income. Because mm -hmm. currently internet uh, can cost about five to ten percent of somebody's regular income, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have to think about it. How do I much do I pay? Much less. Much less. Yeah. yeah. And most people uh, uh, are going to internet via mobile, right? Yes, yeah. most people access the internet via mobile. Mm. And I can, I can make a narrative. I won't mention the name of the telco, but, um, I remember buying internet around 35 Ghana CD. Um, on average, which is like eight to seven dollars. Mm. Um, and that's just four gig. And honestly, that does nothing to me because, um, the work I do, I need a lot of internet. And sometimes I even have this question of, are they really giving us, um, what it's worth? They are saying it's four four gigabyte. Is it actually four gigabyte? Because sometimes internet runs so fast, you you would you would at least realize that you bought a four gig, gigabyte data. Mm. Yeah. Uh, when was your first access to the internet? Wow, first. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of thinking. So my first um, access would be in primary, because um, what? In primary school. Ah, primary school. Right. Uh, that's way back in 2000 and 2000, 2002. Mm -hmm. I went to a very good school, so I had access to computers and a whole lot. So mm -hmm. I was introduced to computer very early, in my early stages, mm -hmm. and had access to internet. But that was only when I was in school. And when I always got back home, I didn't have access to a computer. Mm -hmm. I didn't have access to internet. So sometimes I had to just try to save money and go to the internet cafe just so I can practice what I learned in school and stuff like that. Yeah, the same what people did here in in the late 1990s. They went to internet cafes or to the public library and stuff to to because internet is what expensive back in this time. So at primary school, okay, <laughs> I was about 25 years old when I had first access to the internet at the uh, university. And when I first time saw it, I, I was knowing this is a thing. This is a thing, what I want to do. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and happily, it grows so much and people understood how to access this. I remember then I, in my first week with uh, internet access from home, I was in a chat room and I was chatting with, a, uh, with another guy and, and asking, where are you from? And he said... From Connecticut. <laughs> and I said, no, not possible. I'm sitting here in Berlin in my little student's uh, flat and I'm chatting with a the, with the guy from Connecticut. <laughs> I remember back, back in the days, Yahoo Messenger used to be the greatest thing. Yeah. And everybody was in Yahoo Messenger, but now it's nowhere to be found. Yeah. And people in, in Ghana, what they are doing in the internet? So, um, this is a tough one, but... Um, Mostly people access the internet for 
I would say obscure reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the trend has been people using internet for Instagram, Facebook, and you, you, you often find people not even doing research on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, people sometimes come to me and ask questions on, um, how to get some things. And I told them, just check YouTube, just check. They even forget there's such great resource on the internet. Mm-hmm. And others who really use the internet are probably not just using it rightly. They don't really know where to go to find information and stuff like that. But I would say generally, uh, people use it for social media. That's it's the same, the same as here. Same really? as here. Yeah, most people use it for chatting or WhatsApp or so because it's less expensive or they look, they look videos how to cook or how to uh, fix something. Exactly. So mm. at least they're learning how to do something. But most people in my country are, are using it for entertainment purposes. So watching a video, a music video, mm. listening to some sort of thing. But you hardly find people really using YouTube to do some things. Well, I know a couple of people who do that. But I can't say for everybody. But mm. per my experience, most people don't don't really use their internet for like reasons that you would expect them to. Because mm. I I know I end up on some... Um, forums or conferences or even some action um, programs and projects and people ask me, how do you get this? And I'm like, dude, this is on the internet. Mm. <laughs> so it's quite amusing when the youth ask me questions like that, but um, it's it's a strange thing to say, but obviously that's that's what's happening. Yeah. yeah. The same here. I mean, I mean we have more than 18 million people in Germany and Guess how many of uh, of them are really active Wikipedia editors? One thousand. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Well, that's that's way better than my country. <laughs> This is. Uh, I mean, they have uh, one thousand people have more than five edits per day. Wow. This is an active Wikipedia editor. Yeah. So I do not know the exact number, but that's the yeah that's approximately how it works. yeah. And we are really trying hard to find people. To show people what they can do and to find people who are, might be interested in, in, uh, providing free knowledge. So what are you doing in, in Ghana? So, yeah. What am I doing in Ghana? So my, <laughs> my, my work mostly, um, so right now I work from my NGO, Open Foundation West Africa. Mm-hmm. And the, what is it? Um, so it's it's an NGO that um, wants to champion the cause of the open movement in the West African sub-region. Mm-hmm. And we were recently um, accoladed or conferred um, a Wikimedia affiliation status. So we are now a user group. Mm-hmm. And our focus is to mostly channeling resources to people who need them. So one of the things that I did in 2013 was to visit like a school in the northern region, one of the um, deprived areas in my country, mm. and to install like offline resources, QX, onto the school's um, PC so students can access um, Wikishnari and Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Right. I, th- I, I, I thought these were fundamental things that you needed, and these were things that were going to improve their studies and stuff like that. Um, uh, can I ask about you? Uh, so you provide English Wikipedia yes. as an offline resource so on USB sticks, or how do you do this? So um, before then, I I learned that people were doing this through USB discs, mm-hmm. but I found that very I found that very um, difficult thing to do because one, the foundation was not willing to sponsor us with USB disc, and I think it made a lot of sense because when you're giving this USB disk. So every time you go to a school, you, you give them a USB disk and these things you keep on buying and buying. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of resource. But, um, I developed a strategy of like downloading the whole database of QX onto the school's PC. QX. QX, yeah. And then downloading the zip files. So mm-hmm. what will happen is I go to these schools and I had like a local person on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then at the school, we installed on each PC. Um, QX and downloaded the respective zine files that we needed. Mm-hmm. An alternative way could have been just downloading the whole thing and putting it, put it, put, putting it on a server mm-hmm. and it would have served all the school. But unfortunately, they didn't have a internet infrastructure, let alone have a server to be able to do that. So ah, we okay. had to do it on each PC. And, PC. Yeah. Yeah. and then you update it uh, every year or what do you do? Yeah. So, um, we, the person on the ground, so mm-hmm. 
because I don't live there, I had somebody on the ground who was working on this. So we did a survey before mm. and we did a survey after, like I think two months in um, to understand how it was raising an impact and how it was helping the people, the, the students in the school. And we realized that before then, I think about only 10, 5 to 10% knew about Wikipedia and knew that knew, knew Wikipedia to be a resource that it could visit to learn. And I think after the research, we had about 70 people, 70% of the people saying that now they know how to use Wikipedia and they know of Wikipedia. And it was a great resource because we had an opportunity to create, um, to train 800 students, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Which I think was laudable, was a very yep. good opportunity for us. Yeah. So my colleague always goes to the school, tries to, tries to help the lecturers to update, but one of their challenges is internet. And I don't know how far we can go to support them on that ground, hmm. but at least they have information that they can visit. Um, one thing I know about dictionaries is that they don't get updated frequently, hmm. unlike Wikipedia. So they could make use of the dictionary whilst we try to see means and ways to, I mean, ensure the continuous growth of the Wikipedia platform that we've provided. Mm-hmm. So people start using start using the Wikipedia and the dictionary. Yeah. In, in, so really in the uh, lessons or in their spare time? So, um, because the boarding school, mm. we, okay, we've not been able to study when they use these resources, mm. but because the computer lab is on campus and it's a boarding school, we assume ah. that they can go in any time and do a research or search on anything that they really want to learn about. Mm. And the students, they do not have, uh, do they have their own computers, lap- like laptops and nope. stuff? No, nope. only the computer labs. Computer labs, yeah. Ah. So study is mostly offline. It's yes, yes. Study is mostly offline. Chartboards? Chartboards, yeah, exactly. Really, yeah. <laughs> and books. And books, yeah. And do you have books? Yes, so there are books, but that's another topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so people may not be able to be opportune to have the resources to purchase a book. Mm-hmm. And that is also a challenge. And that was what actually pushed us to put Wikipedia and Wikishner as a resource for, a resource for them. Because mm-hmm. then if you want to search on basic things like uh, maybe you're doing social studies, you want to read about a guard and drive, it's already on Wikipedia. You can actually mm-hmm. go there and read. Right. So if you don't have the books, you can still have some amount of information that can help you in your studies. Um, at least that's what, that's what we could offer them. But the next level would be to start working on OERs, open education resources, mm. and trying to help them like bridge that gap. Currently, we were talking with Siavula. Actually, they got in touch with us and we were, we were thinking of starting an OER for possibly, um, the math curriculum. So yeah. if we're able to do that, we would possibly migrate that to other Curriculums in school. Yeah. L- like these two projects, Wikiversity and Wikibooks that provide free, free books. Free books, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but there are not so much resources. And that's Canada. the thing. A lot of people don't contribute to Wikiversity and Wikibooks. So mm. you find most of the information is outdated or you don't really get what you want. Mm. Yeah. But there's, there's some good resources there. Yeah. A lot of things to do. Yeah, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> And you are alone or do you have companions? So I, I have like amazing people who are doing mm-hmm. amazing work. And um, I, must, I must say them that um, we have the Wikimedia Ghana user group and we have the Open Foundation West Africa. Uh, our focus is to work in the West African sub-region. However, we, we still do projects that will champion the cause of the open movement in Ghana as well. Mm-hmm. So like recently we organized um, an event called the Summer Open School and it was, it was meant to um, actually train people about the open movement and for them to understand and acquaint themselves with the open movement and choose how they would contribute mm-hmm. and as a way of like imbibing volunteerism into them because that's one thing that has a cultural um, um, a cultural hindrance. Like a culture does not really promote volunteerism because people want to get money for the stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. And so that was an opportunity for us to train some people and sort of like inspire them to understand that volunteerism actually pays. Um, I think most of the skills are built over time through volunteerism and you can't yep. take that away from me. Yeah, I really... Um I'm, I'm understanding that uh, also the idea of volunteering in Germany is, is not that public 
not, not everybody knows about it. I often get, when I say I'm, I'm working for, uh, at Wikipedia, uh, they say, how, how much money do you get for it? So, no, this is what they, the people think. But volunteering in, in Germany, it really keeps the society running. A lot of people volunteer in firefighters and in, uh, in, uh, hospitals and so on. You, you do not know so much, you know. Yeah, but for, for me particularly, I always say volunteerism is actually an opportunity to build the requisite skills for a job. Mm. That's how yeah. I see it. Because yeah. you, you often don't get the chance to get a job right after school. Yeah. There's unemployment in your home. Mm. What would it take if you go out there to like give out your, your best to a project? Through that project, you learn new skills that can end you up with a job. Yeah. So now I work part-time with the Wikimedia Foundation through mm. volunteerism. And that's what I find hard to, um, I find a little bit difficult to understand or comprehend with people who do not like really want to volunteer because for me, it, it's a unique opportunity to really build skills. Yeah. And that's why programs like the UN volunteerism is coming up and stuff like that because they believe that And the funny thing is, most of these volunteerism programs don't even tell you they have a stipend for you. Because you don't want to volunteer, you immediately shun it. Right? Mm -hmm. But the moment you get a chance to be in it, you realize that there are stipends for accommodation, stipends for transport, and you, you begin to, oh, so I, I could have, I mean, got into this in the beginning. But people don't do, and they only realize at the end, and they go like, oh, shoot, I should have been in this. But mm -hmm. it's not because of the money. It's because of the passion. You mm -hmm. follow the passion, the money will come. Yeah. Yeah. And you get a lot of skills. You learn how to write, you learn how to communicate online. This is for them. This is my uh, daily business. I've worked with a um with a team that has members in Hamburg and in India and in the US. And I I work as a scrum master. I'm a project manager and I learned at Wikipedia how distributed work works how it works you know and and now at, at my job i can say oh, no let's write it down in a wiki and then everybody can read can read it yeah so i'm the wiki guru but they saw how it, it, it works really and they adapted them very fast so i can uh i really understand this this argument that volunteering in wikipedia or an open projects really in um has an effect on uh your business That's very true. And you have contact to nice people from all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> That's the amazing thing. Yeah. Uh, just to chip in this, I was in Netherlands like um, a week before WikidataCon, mm -hmm. and I happened to just um, crush my friend's place. And mm -hmm. guess what? I got to meet him through Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. And he was not even around. He was in Tokyo. I was like, I'm leaving my keys. Just see this lady and you have access to my room for okay. as long as you want. I'm like, <laughs> that's how it works. I yeah. mean, you build connections, you, you meet people. I'm even working on a project that he might possibly help because he has an experience in energy, mm -hmm. right? And that's how we connect and build our future. But yeah. if you want to stay secluded from community and stay secluded from the world because whether you like it or not it's a storm it's coming the open is the new dimension and it's the new mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. yeah that's a big word <laughs> <laughs> but i think so because um countries like ghana they don't have the money to yeah purchase books and uh, uh, it's the same in india or armenia and uh, what they do is uh, a fraud copy of yeah. books so but How, uh, but the thing is, we should not fight fraud copy. We should provide free, free copy. knowledge. Yeah, yeah, free copies. There should be a way to do this, to do so. Even, uh, uh, countries like Germany, when they was, they, when they were underdeveloped in 200 years ago, they did fraud copy. <laughs> so they grow. This is how it works. If you can't access it, uh, because you have not, not money, not enough money. You have to do it another way. And yeah. now we have free licenses and we have volunteering people with passion that, that can do this. Right. Great idea. Yes, you are right. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you, um, so I asked you the first contact to the internet, but what was your first contact to Wikipedia? So my first contact with, um, to Wikipedia was through volunteerism. Mm -hmm. So, I've, I've made all my exploits in life through volunteerism. Mm -hmm. So I visited an event in Accra called Bar Camp Accra. 
And Back on Back is like a youth forum where youth come together to talk about social problems and try to solve them. Mm-hmm. So upon attending, I was like, I want to do the same event in my, in my, um, and province, right? So I went back home and spoke to the organizers of the event and I organized a similar thing in my school. Back mm-hmm. then I was in school. So <clears throat> through this event that I organized, mm-hmm. I had some people come over to teach about Wikipedia. And that mm-hmm. was my first contact with Wikipedia. Ah, great. Yeah. So talking about Wikipedia works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good news. <laughs> Because I talked to so much people about Wikipedia. And sometimes I think I've, and now I talk to 10,000 people and two of them, of them are volunteering Wikipedia. But you are an example how it really has an effect to the people. Great. And what, so this was your first contact to Wikipedia? That was my first contact ever. Oh, so what, what did you think about it? Okay. Well, um, I would say before I'd had several contacts. So through research, because I was in the university, mm-hmm. but I really didn't look at Wikipedia in any way. Um, because our lectures discouraged the use of Wikipedia. So it got to a time I wasn't even looking out for Wikipedia anymore. Mm-hmm. But my first contact through this event actually got me to understand that Wikipedia is a resource that needs to be used correctly. Mm-hmm. And it's the misuse of Wikipedia that causes lectures to like debunk um, information that is coming from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. However, people, people like us can also contribute to make Wikipedia better. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, if we can contribute to it, then why not try? Mm-hmm. And that was how I got into it. But it's amazing enough for you to know that when I, I, I got into it and created my first account in 2012, I think I did my first edit in 2013. So it took me like a year mm-hmm. to really understand and move. But I have done trainings for people who just like got started immediately and like went back home and created like 20 articles mm-hmm. in just one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Has Wikipedia changed since then? Changed me or changed? <laughs> so for me, it's changed me a lot. It's given me a chance to really learn some basic skills, skills that I think everybody should have, writing skills, um, copy edit skills, um, being able to write in an encyclopedic tone mm-hmm. and knowing how to properly reference um, research work and having to um, conscientize yourself with the fact that um, Wikipedia works on only facts based on facts and without fact it will be deleted the, um, yeah quite I mean I there's so many things that I've learned from Wikipedia myself it's taught me to be a leader project manager like so many things because it's like a whole package joining the movement unless you want to stay as a, like an editor and don't want to grow but if you want to grow mm-hmm. there's so many opportunities for you to grow You can be, become a project manager, lead your community with activities and projects. You can learn like budget financing, how to write with like real budget. Mm-hmm. And you can make sense out of like projects and their measures of success and impact. And these are things that I learned on Wikipedia and through volunteerism. Mm-hmm. So change you. That's great. Yeah. Will Wikipedia have an impact on Ghana? At this point, I'll say no. Mm. I'll say no in the sense that um, there's still this um, misconce- misconception about Wikipedia and um, using content from Wikipedia, which we're, we're working at, like, in debunking um, little by little. Mm. So, yeah, about impact on, um, on Ghana, I would say um, it's, it's not really had an impact on Ghana because... Um, Looking at the whole, or looking at um, what we've done holistically, um, most of our work is in Accra, and most of our work <clears throat> has been um, focused on like getting new editors, which we've somewhat achieved. Because I can say, together with the Wikimedia Ghana user group, we may have close to like um, 200 people in our in our membership base, but mm. we might have just about 10 to 20 people being active. Mm. And for me, it's not about activeness. It's about contributing. Yeah. Even if it takes you a year to contribute once, that's new information that we wouldn't have had if mm. you didn't contribute. So for me, it's about people 
devoting their time and putting work out there. But um, the growing misconceptions or the still mis- the still um, existing misconceptions about Wikipedia is is driving activity down because some lecturers still believe Wikipedia is an credible use mm-hmm. of of um, a credible source of information, but. Um, I think little by little, we are trying to remove that narrative and we are helping people to understand the use of Wikipedia, actually. I keep on saying this to people. Wikipedia is not a source of information. It's an aggregator of information. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a basic research. It's not a, like a new research. It's mm-hmm. research that already exists and it's on Wikipedia. So mm-hmm. if there's a research in Forbes magazine, right, and you would accept that, and that same information is put on Wikipedia, and you wouldn't accept it. I find it quite absurd. Mm. And <clears throat> for me, this is, these are some of the things I used to try to make people understand that it's it's a misconception that is going around. But you really need to sit down as a person and think critically um, how that really affects your work. Because I find myself, I was doing my MBA, and I found myself using Wikipedia every time. But it's, I never got marked down because I really know how to use Wikipedia. Mm. And I, I found it quite funny when we were doing like a, uh, we're doing a training in school about, um, research writing. And our lecturer mentioned that you can actually use Wikipedia, but you don't have to credit Wikipedia as a source because it's not the source. Mm-hmm. So I, I, w- I would say that it's a narrative that is going around and we need to change. And that's what is not really making Wikipedia have its thrives in Ghana, but certainly little by little we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the concept of an encyclopedia known in Ghana? Yes, but people are usually like people are uh, okay or used to the orthodox encyclopedia. So, like the Encyclopedia Britannica, oh, Encyclopedia and Carta. Oh. Yes, so they're used to the books and used to the like um, PC versions. Um, that's Encyclopedia and Carta, but mm-hmm. most of them are pirated. Nobody buys the original. Mm. <laughs> yes, and it's, it's an opportunity for them to understand that or to know that they can actually get like a free version. Mm. You don't have to be corrupt. And what's, what's really unique about Wikipedia to me that no other encyclopedia can do mm-hmm. that I think people should know is the fact that Wikipedia is timely. When something happens today, it gets published on Wikipedia today. Mm-hmm. But when something happens today, and you want that published on Encyclopedia Britannica, you have to wait for another volume to come. Yeah. And before that volume comes out, it might be updated or outdated already because the new information is out again. So for me, Wikipedia is one of the greatest, resource, greatest resources we can ever have mm. on earth now. Yeah, this is, it's, it's an amazing thing that if so many people work on the same, on the same project, you would expect an average result, but it's, But you have a more than average result. It's excellent. It's, it has been compared to Encyclopedia Britannica and Wikipedia is better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's the strength in our diversities. Mm. It's because we're from different backgrounds and we're from like different places, different, um, like thinking modes and different mindsets. We're able to contribute like nitty gritties of some things that you wouldn't get in an Encyclopedia Britannica mm-hmm. because then Wikipedia gives local content. In the sense that it's locals that are actually writing the content. So they write the content like with trifling, like very little minute details mm. that you won't get in Encyclopedia Britannica. And that's what makes Wikipedia better than Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, and it's a chance for for people, for the local people to pro, to give their knowledge or knowledge about their topics, about their places to an encyclopedia. It's like there are Uh, there was a uh, was a map um, showing all Wikidata entries entries with geographical data, and you could clearly say Europe glowing and uh, North America glowing and Japan and, and Africa was black. Like yeah, <laughs> but African people themselves are able to change this. Yeah. Well, that that that's something that we're working at, and I think we're working on through different means. So like um, you often hear Africans talking about Wiki Ndaba. That's like the African Wikimedian conference mm. and the idea is to foster collaboration across the continent and move agendas. Mm. You find our projects like continental projects coming up, like the Wiki Loves Africa, Wiki Loves Women. And this is, these are like projects that are striving hard to change the bias and the systematic bias that ex- um, actually exist on Wikipedia. So you, you find like projects covering pictures and content on, um, 
African diversity, African culture, African heritage. And I think, yeah, little by little, you know, Rome was not built in a day. And mm. Wikipedia in itself was not started in a day. It started way back in... Um, 2001. 2001. Mm. And it happened to start in the global north. Mm. That's the developed communities. So it's now getting to Africa. Mm. And it's obvious that 11 years of work would not be compared to like just two or three years of work mm. that there'll be a vast difference because people have done this over time for like 11 years. Mm -hmm. Right now, Africa is coming into the game and not just Africa, the global South, the emerging communities. So like India and you see, these are the areas that I think the foundation should be concentrating on because like it or not, um, the global North is more covered than the global South and you really need to invest into places that you really want covered because we say that we are the sum of all human knowledge, not the sum of some human knowledge. <laughs> and so yeah. to, to be able to really attain that goal of all human knowledge, we need to delve into these areas that are coming up. Mm. And maybe we can make new experiences. Like I said, we have 1,000 or 2,000 active editors in Germany. What is well-educated, uh, high um, penetration of internet. And we have so... I think it's a, it's a lot, 1,000 or 2,000, but compared to the number of inhabitants, it's not so much. And maybe you will find another way to, to bring people to, to, to share their knowledge. I had a talk to, uh, in the last episode of uh, Wikijabba with Peter Gallard from uh, Namibia. Namibia. And um, he talked to me about this, uh, the, the, the different kind of um, how knowledge is um, given from one generation to the other. We have this European Mediterranean way of writing books. And then he, he talked talk to me about storytelling, where the elderly people sit on the fire and talk and talk and talk. Yeah. And this is what, uh, what we had in Germany too. Some, and some knowledge is preserved over 10,000 years and some knowledge is lost and Maybe Wikipedia only works for the European or Mediterranean way. What do you think? Well, um, this this topic is a very is a very critical one and is dear to my heart mm -hmm. because um, in Africa you find okay, well, Africa is bad at keeping records. Mm -hmm. We're bad at keeping records about our history and about our culture. So what has happened over the years was what Peter Gallet said. People like having old folks in the communities who were knowledge bearers mm. and they kept like this information and passed on, passed it on from generation to generation. But scientifically, we know that is not reliable because, um, as in when information is, is being passed on, it loses some small and very necessary Part mm. of that information. However, it is not something that we should neg neglect because currently the standards of academia allows only something that's printed in a book. It doesn't allow oral mm. because um, there's the argument of if it can be proven. But what say, who says that what was written in the book can be proven? Because most of these things were things that yeah. people said and was written. Mm. So what difference does it make when I'm actually saying it to you when the same thing is actually written in the book? Mm -hmm. But what we keep on forgetting here is that Africa was never like Europe. Mm -hmm. It was never like the global north. The global north were, before the Europeans, before the um, British even moved to Ghana, mm -hmm. they were already writing in books. We were writing on stones, right? We, mm -hmm. were, we, were, we were telling our stories through different ways. Mm -hmm. And it's different worlds that are merging now. And we are coming from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So it would take a lot of work to really get those things down written in books. Right, and until we create that space where we we want to give people a chance to really tell their story, then all we're telling the world is that some parts of the world, like Africa, like India, like other regions, mm. where, where where knowledge is, has been kept over the years in the minds of people, mm. would never be accepted, because mm. because then that, then that's it, because we're, we're never going to get that information or those information recorded. Mm. Because now if I tell you, you can't even write a book based on it because it's not proven. But those stories of the past, are, were they really actually proven? Some of them were just people's like um, remarks and people's like 
um, point of view that were mm. written. And based on those things, we can publish them now. Our scholars were yeah, not. But, but it's not only about uh, things in the past. Uh, I've seen a documentary about um, from the Philippines and some researchers, they uh, took a, uh, from a, a rainforest, uh, they made a piece of 100 meter per 100 meter. And then there was a guy from who, li who grew up in a village and now lives in a city. And he uh, then he asked him, uh, do you know any plants over here? And he knows every single plant. And he knows a story about every single plant, what it's good for, what what is it not so good for, uh, what is what uh, goddess is related to this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this kind of story, it's, it's, it's important to your life if you live in the jungle. It's uh, how this plant helps you, how do they fight you, how do you help you to not to get sick or to get something eaten. It's not only about mathematics or history, it's also about nature science, about Life science stuff. This is what is preserved via stories. Uh, but but the other thing Peter Gallat said is that there uh, Namibia is is changing. We have an um, I don't know the word. People are going from the country to the cities. Uh, they, they do not hear these old stories anymore because sure. they are not there. So that's the same happened here in uh, in Germany two hundred years ago and. Um, Some researchers, like uh, the brothers Grimm, they wrote down what the people said. So it's preserved now in books what was said before. This was a really change, and maybe this happens now in, in Africa. At least in Namibia, I don't know if, if in Ghana the same happens. Well, um, these things are, are, well, they're important. Writing, putting them down and trying to use them as a, as a source. But... Um, I can't count the number of people who can do that in my country. Mm. And the thing is, people are just not interested in recording information. That's what I've noticed, at least from my point of view. Because um, they don't know, they don't want to write. Don't want to write. They're not but interested. Maybe, but maybe they have mobile phones that can take a video. Good. But taking that video is not enough in mm -hmm. the world of academia because it's, it's somebody's story. You How do you ascertain this the truth? Yeah. Mm. So the, these things are problems. <laughs> I really don't know how we can solve them. But one way to solve this is to accept oral citation. Mm. And this can be done more easily. I think if there's a story about a particular thing and you can get three or four, three, four, five, six more people to confirm that that's actually true, mm. it should be accepted. Because I don't think three, four, five, six people from different parts of the country would form a story. Mm. And These are people that you pick randomly and ask them the same, ask them to tell you the same story and they confirm that's the same story. Why would mm. you accept it? But the world we are in seems to be controlled by, like, I mean, the global north, mm. honestly. Education actually came from here. Yeah. Right? Well, we're having our own forms, our own forms of education, like mm. doing our own stuff. We're teaching our kids how to put put on fire with stones. We're, mm. we're doing our own cooking utensils with our own stuff, right? Color, had, or col coloring clothes. Yes. Or treating food treating ourselves when we're sick with yeah. herbs. We're, yeah. we're, we're taking care of our own selves. But education in itself... Mm. Sorry? Organizing water supply. Yeah. Mm. But education in itself was, is something that we have adapted. And it looks like you have to play to the rules of the game. Mm. So whether you like it or not, you have to do what is accepted in that forum. And once you can't have that, you can't be accepted. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's what is killing us. But I can't put my I can't put my finger to a single person whom I know can like do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Like write, like go and listen to the indigenous people and try to write about them. Even if he or she writes about them, would it be published? These are questions that Yeah. Will it be published in like in, in a space where it will be accepted in academia? This is pretty special. Uh, when I think about it, I should do this here in Germany. I even would hardly find people doing this. It's easier for people to read other books or read other web pages or take pictures. Yeah. That is what they're doing. And how to, uh, they, uh, put, 
content into Wikipedia. Hmm. It's not that easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> But I feel one thing we can do, I mean, this came up some time ago, and I don't know if it's still viable. We can, we can set up another wiki for folktales mm. and just record folktales because mm. like it or not, these are contents that people would like to hear. Even, even if it's not scientifically proven, it might have some word or two that might make sense. So for example, in the past, we, didn't, we, we don't believe in superstitions now, but in the past, there were superstitions like don't sweep at night. And you'll be wondering, why, why would these people come up with a superstition like don't sweep at night? Okay, good. So I, was, I, I wanted to like understand, why don't we sweep at night? Then I understood. In the past, there were no lights. So if you sweep at night, you might sweep your valuables away. And that was why they created that superstition, mm -hmm. just to avoid your refrain you from sweeping at night. Mm -hmm. Another example is, they said, the mortar and pestle. So we have our favorite um, staple food called fufu. And fufu is pounded in the mortar. Um, in, the, in, the, um, in the mortar with a pistol and they I don't understand what, what do they do in the mortar so fufu is cassava it's made of cassava I don't know what cassava is okay so it's more of like it's a statue food it's a tuba uh -huh, okay. so like yam mm -hmm. but it's called cassava and we pound it to make fufu and we make it, you know dumplings right yeah good so fufu is like soft and like dumplings mm -hmm. right and fufu is our delicacy right so they they came up with something. Don't, don't ever pound a pestle in a mortar without any like substance in it. Because if you do that, your mommy's breast will tear off. Okay. But the reason was, if you do that, you, you, you destroy the mortar. And, okay. and destroying the mortar, you wouldn't be able to pound ah, your fufu. Okay. Yeah. So like, there were reasons behind why these things were proposed in the past. But as to, as to whether it's going to make sense to a lot of people, for some of us, I have delved quite further. I can't do everything, but mm -hmm. just to understand why and the rationale behind why some of these things were being put up, mm -hmm. it actually makes sense if you go back. But I am not ordained to like do the recordings because I wouldn't probably have it published. Mm -hmm. Nobody would be willing to publish that. Yeah. And if we think that further, uh, in, in uh, Germany, uh, we have free knowledge Uh, collected in spaces where Wikimedia Foundation notice like uh, recites, like cooking sites. And when then we have this Wikia universe where people write about their favorite TV series or their films or books or, you know, maybe this is also what could, uh, what should people should be offered in, in, in Ghana, write about the things they are interested in. Yeah. Not everybody is interested in the encyclopedia, but maybe in something yeah. else. And this is knowledge too. Yeah. And yeah. then they learn how to write, and then we, uh, on the back way, bring them to Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if, he, if you would become overnight the king of Wikipedia, what would be your first orders? Well, if overnight I become the king of Wikipedia, my first orders would be to give a lot of support to the global south. Mm -hmm. Why do I keep on saying global south? To the emerging communities. Mm -hmm. Because um, I think it's necessary that we channel our energies into these areas because these are the places that will make up Wikipedia in the next 10 years. And what kind of support? So support in terms of like experimenting with those regions. Mm -hmm. So don't give up, don't give funds um, for projects, expecting that you you yield necessary um, measures of success, because mm. it, it always it's always not the case. Mm. Um, first of all, the underlying reason why Wikipedia exists is to share information with everybody, mm. and so I think that's the core of Wikipedia. Not even contributing, but letting people have access to information, which is like the critical thing for Wikipedia. And so, going out there, letting people know about Wikipedia. Is the key thing to do. And then when they find the value of Wikipedia, they will be willing to contribute to Wikipedia. But mm -hmm. if you approach them with um, possibly at this Wikipedia, they might not be interested and it might push them off. But just create the awareness. So I'm, I'm looking at a more inclusive movement. That's what I would possibly do if I was a king of Wikipedia. Giving out resources in an equity form Not equality, but equity. People who need more should get more. People who need less should get less. And devoting these resources to championing the cause of our, of our movement. Because 
that's the only way we can attain real glo- a real global movement. Mm. That's when we include all these other people on the borders. Okay. I have to ask again, what kind of support? What should... So who is... Who, who has to give what to support the global, the emerging countries? So it's hard to say this, but from where I come from, you need money for everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can have your way of having a space for free and other things, but you need the internet to work. Even the volunteer, the funny thing is, most people who volunteer or who would like to volunteer are people who are unemployed, mm-hmm. right? Now, these people who are unemployed do not even have the money to move from their homes to the conference venue or to mm-hmm. the training venue. Yeah. So how then do they come and play a role in this, right? So it might not make sense to say that we're covering transportation costs for volunteers mm-hmm. in, in, in Germany, but it might make a lot of sense in, in, in Ghana. And that's mm-hmm. what I, I'm saying. We should have an open-minded approach to dealing with emerging communities because the terrain is quite different and it is not like the, the developed ones, mm-hmm. right? So the resources that might be needed, like for example, what I've just told you, like volunteers moving to event venues, it's... You might see that's not a problem, but it's a big problem. And that's why you have like 80 people register for event and only 20 people show up because mm-hmm. they, can, they can only afford to move to the place yeah. with some amount of money. Mm-hmm. Yes. You have people going back home hoping that they will edit. They can't edit Wikipedia because they can't afford even the internet to edit Wikipedia. That's another way. So resources, not only in terms of money, but partnerships that will yield or would create an, um, an, a conducive environment for people to actually contribute to Wikipedia mm-hmm. would be useful. Thank you for clarifying this. Last year, you got a call via Skype. This year, actually. This year? Yeah. <laughs> this was this year, okay. And there was Jimmy Wales on the, yes. on the phone and was telling you, you are the Wikipedian of the year. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> what, what is it, Wikipedian of the year? So, the Wikipedian of the year is an award given by Jimmy Wales um, to volunteers who are doing exceptional work in the community and the movement and i happen to be awarded this year mm-hmm. and honestly i wasn't told that was the reason why i was going to get on the call i was told i won't mention the name of the staff but <laughs> i always laugh at this she told me she needed help with a presentation and uh, for wikimania and mm-hmm. i was like i was i was i just woke up I'm not taking my shower. I, I, I'm, I'm about to leave for work. And she's like, can you please help me? I'm like, well, I love this. I'll just do it. <laughs> and I just gave up my time. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I get on the call and I spoke to her. She was, she mm-hmm. was the one who spoke to me. Then Jimmy Wolves gets on the call. I'm like, what's happening? What's Jimmy Wolves doing here? And, and in a split second or some minutes, I get I, I get announced as the Wikimedian of the Year and I, my mind was blown. I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I I can't still believe it. <laughs> I I can't still believe it. But I'm very grateful for um, yeah everybody who really saw the good thing in me. And mm-hmm. for me, I'd, I'd say that it really means that people actually watch the work we do. Yeah. And. For me to be in a small country like Ghana, specifically Accra, which is so far away from like the, the world and like in a community where people, um, are now trying to mount up strategies to improve content on Wikipedia. I'm really pleased because I, I never dreamt. Mm. What happened afterwards? So, um, after, after the, the announcement, um, Nothing has really changed. Um, it's, it's just been me doing my normal stuff. Yeah. But um, I've had a lot of media attention mm-hmm. um, based Great. on that. Um, uh, what media? So from which country? For I've had um, interviews from Spanish media. Mm-hmm. Um, I think two Spanish um, technology um, newspapers published about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had like three publications in Ghana, and I've had like multiple. Um, um, podcast interviews Mm. um yes i've been published in so many ways and i think um what this award actually does is that it brings you recognition for the work you do and actually puts you out there for people who really want to work with people like us Mm. in the community so for me it's positioned me where i can now go out there and really 
get good partnerships because now people know that this is what this guy does. Mm -hmm. And it might not be in monetary terms, but it's valuable. So it helps you to be the beginning of the year to your work. Yes, it's, ah, great. it's somewhat helped. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, after that, I think I've gotten a lot of like people have invited me to speak at forums just because I was a Wikipedian of the mm-hmm. year. I even got contacted by a Spanish company who wanted me to go and speak at an event because yeah. they, they thought I was a speaker, uh, only for me to hear later on that um, the event was not going to come on. But it tells you how far I've gone. I got like several mails from people from Spain. Mm-hmm. Like I got fr- um, f- um, addi- um, friend additions on Facebook from people from Spain. People mm-hmm. were just saying, we like your work. We just want to follow you and learn more about what you do. And I got like a business contact actually from yeah. this. Somebody okay. says, hey, I want to do something in Ghana, but I think you'll be the right person to talk to me. Just send me a mail and we kicked off. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It's been pretty good. When you think about Wikipedia in 10 years? What is it? So, well, I see a gigantuan um, host of knowledge mm-hmm. um, for the world because uh, more is here to come. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite um, intriguing to sometimes know that the um, uninhabited um, continent of Antarctica is far more covered than Africa. But, yeah. that, but that is also really? an encouragement. Yes. But that is also more um, like an encouragement to tell us that there's more work to be done. Because if Africa is less covered, then which means there is a lot to be put out there. <laughs> yes. And there is a lot to say to the world about mm. like knowledge. And I think we are ready and we will move to that cause. So in 10 years, those who hear Wikipedia hear Wikipedia. But Wikipedia will be one of the greatest resources yeah. in the world. Yeah. Mm. Do you have uh, freedom of panorama in Ghana? Unfortunately not. But that's one of the things that we're doing as well. So um, I partly... Uh, so my NGO also focuses on things like this because it also allows the work of Wikimedia to thrive in my community. So I think um, we... Open Foundation West Africa also um, applied to be um, an affiliate of Creative Commons, which we have been semi-approved um, and we've done quite some projects with Creative Commons as well. Mm. And one of the focuses is to champion the cause of um, like changing our copyright um, laws because some of them are old and they don't really work in this 21st century and some are just not accommodating and helpful to um, artists. So we we have spoken to some lawyers and we have some people who are willing to support the cause and to actually go out there and see if we can find freedom of panorama. Mm. Yeah. I'm asking this because I heard a story from Armenia uh, where the government was talking to Wikimedia, Wikimedia Armenia and, and was saying like, we have no money, but what can we do for you? And they say, they said, give us freedom of panorama. And they said, okay. <laughs> so if it works like that, that's great. Yeah. Because it really helps because then we can provide free images of... Uh, Of the uh, local houses and, and, and cities. And the thing is, um, we have this um, Vicky Loves Monuments. And what we found is that uh, 90% uh, of, of 90% of the buildings, there haven't been images so far. Even you couldn't make money of it. They, they could not, yeah, you cannot make money of it. So it only works over, yeah, freedom of panorama. Yeah. yeah. And we certainly, we certainly need that because our copyright laws are just don't want to talk about them here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at the end of our talk, one hour is now, we are talking right now. I hope you gotten too cold on this cold German day. But um, at the end of each episode, I play some music. And I guess it's hard to find uh, some free licensed music from Ghana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I found some in in, uh, in Namibia. Sorry for uh, from comparing Namibia with Ghana, but um, there was a last episode, and uh, Peter Gallard said you will not find something. But I found it on YouTube. But what I think is that the musicians did not know what a free license is, and they just put it out chance. Yeah, maybe like this. But the music is under free license. So, you have any suggestion what I should search search for to get some Ghana music? <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if they have any free Ghanaian music, but I can, you know, Creative Commons has this power search. 
Mm. I can quickly search any Ghanaian music and through Creative Commons, and if I find one, I'll put it in your direction. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Awesome. Because there's such a lot of uh, free license music out there, and there should be some from Ghana. Well. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping, actually. <laughs> Because I know most of the old works um, are supposed to be on a Creative Commons license um, by now. Like, they're supposed to be in the public domain because after 70 years, um, if the person is dead, automatically these licenses are taken away and they're in the open domain. So I can do a research on a couple of them and just probably send it to you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for this talk. Thank you so much for having me and it's been great talking to you. Yeah. See you later. See uh, you later. Okay. Uh, next Wikimania in South Africa? Yes. And I'm excited because <laughs> I wasn't able to attend um, the one in Canada because mm -hmm. of visa issues, which is a big issue in my country. But... Hopefully, I'm going to be in South Africa. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to South Africa because it's 12 hours away from here. Wow. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. Hello, this is Sebastian again. This was my talk with Felix at the Wikidatacon in Berlin. Afterwards, he sent me um, a link to a video on Wikimedia Commons um, this video was imported from YouTube, and uh, this video is an uh, effort of the Ghanaian musician Ko Nemo, uh, whose aim is to help preserve some of the important cultural musical traditions from Ghana. And um, this music now, what you're listening to, is... Um, a mixture of different pieces of uh, traditional music of Ghana.
Hey, 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 hey,